Here we are at Pod and Market. At the corner of Prospect and Ferry, a restaurant had a quiet opening. The usual fanfare you expect with grand openings had to wait. The Ironbound was in the grips of a pandemic that brought the usual bustling thoroughfare to a muted standstill. Nevertheless, Sihana set its tables and opened its doors. I was brought there by a previous guest of the pod. It's hard to describe what Sihana is. It's a bit of a restaurant, a gallery, a place to hang out, and a general atmosphere, which is why I brought on the founder of Sihana, Kreshnik Beirisha. And I brought him on because I wanted to talk about this kind of new restaurant that he opened. And so first I want to welcome uh, Kreshnik. Uh, how are you doing? I'm well, Mania. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, just to let the guests know, um, I've actually been going to Sihana for since August, so I guess for six months at this. Well, yeah, five. Yeah, five or six months at this point. And uh, my first meal, um, I was brought there brought by uh, by Gabe Ribeiro, uh, the founder of the Nork Project. And he'll, I'm sure he's going to come up later in this podcast. But uh, he said, "Mandy, you got to try this place uh, that opened up." on the Ironbound. And I was a little nervous because, you know, a lot of things open in Newark and um, you have to always be a little, you know, hesitant with uh, any new spot, uh, particularly in a pandemic where you're also worried about, are they doing the, the socially distant thing? And I we had this meal outdoors and it was just amazing. And I remember you coming out and sitting down and, and, and basically spending, I mean, you're working still, like you're running this restaurant and you sat down and basically sat with me and Gabe and I, I think whoever else was there, there was a couple other people. Um, and we just talked and, and had good food. Um, and I want to thank you for that. And I've been going back um Obviously, much less now with uh, you know the sort of second wave of the pandemic. But uh, my first question to you is, uh, what is Sihana? Uh, Sihana, in the literal terms, means like the moon in the Paleo-Balkan language, um, Illyrian language, which are the predecessors to Albanians in the Western Balkans. In the figurative sense, it means a celestial, um, divine, or a heavenly ideal state. And I also want to take the time to thank you for uh, visiting us. Uh, you're one of our day ones here, what I like to call them, as well as Gabe. But um, Sihana is a place where, as you mentioned, we can enjoy local art, creative food, um, and be able to gather and congregate with, with our friends and uh, enjoy their, their company as, as much as possible under these you know really strange and dire circumstances. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I want to run with that point that you mentioned, dire circumstances. I, can you just explain to people what it's like to open a restaurant in, I think, a time that no one could have expected, at least not in the United States. What's it like to to bring an idea to fruition when the world is telling you, you know, the times are not ready for that? Uh, such a great question. We were working on the concept uh, pre-pandemic times, and um, once the pandemic hit, we were on the verge of opening, uh, literally within two weeks 
uh, we were planned on, on opening the, the cafe. Um, it took us about three months to just gather our footing because of, um, you know, challenges that not only were we experiencing on a personal level, but also on a professional level. Uh, so we took the time to uh, sort of perfect the aesthetic of the interior while uh, focusing on what we were going to do once um, we kind of knew where, where the pandemic was going to head to. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned aesthetic because this is, I think, what makes Sihana unique. And there's a reason why I, I'm sort of harping on this, but let's let's get to that first. So what can you describe what you mean by aesthetic, at least for Sihana? Right. Um, so when, when we created the concept, uh, we we enlisted uh, Sean Joseph, who is an architect here in Newark. Uh, he's the owner of Bad Studio, and he happens to be uh, one of uh, very few black uh, architects in America, one of 1,000, I believe, or 1,500. And we sort of uh, went over the main themes that we wanted to have in the, in the concept. Um, which are the following. Uh, we wanted to preserve the rustic look of the building um, by exposing and exploiting the beauty of the brick that, that was uh, existing here. And then we wanted to add a local feel to the, to the restaurant uh, by borrowing the aesthetics of the Paramount Theater. Um, our guests will know when they come here the bar is heavily influenced by the theater, the tiling of the bar, the counter, the sign ab above the bar, the the colors and the hues of the bar. Additionally, we wanted to, um, as I mentioned earlier, create a space, allocate a space, a special area where we can showcase some of the best artists that the city has and some of their greatest works. On top of that, we wanted to honor and, and pay you know, homage to the Ironbound District by uh, using steel in the legs of the tables. Currently, there's a large farmer's table in the middle of the restaurant uh, made up of uh, steel legs. And there is a lounge area where we have a fireplace, um, some chairs and sofas, in order to create a vibe where, you know, whether you're coming to have a coffee or, or have uh, a dinner with your friends or read a book or work on, on, on your homework. And on top of that, there's a large mural that will go up in the next few weeks in the main dining room area, which will be uh, drawn by Jarrah, who's a local muralist here in Newark. Yeah, it's um, the best way I've come to describe this is it's almost like something out of um, Brooklyn. And I don't necessarily mean this pejoratively. Usually I use the word Brooklyn in a very negative sense. But here I think the, um, obviously you have some common motifs. Exposed brick is something you see a lot now. But it, I think it's more than that, right? Um, or even the farmer's table, right? That's also become very common. But um, A, I, I think correct me if I'm wrong, and you could feel free to disagree with this, but you, you had a very challenging space to work with. Um, as, you know, the previous occupant uh, did not fare well with that space, at least in my opinion. 
right? Um, you you sort of have a uh, two. It's essentially two rooms. I mean, like it's one airspace. It's uh, and you have to kind of open a larger hole. But you do basically have two sections of the restaurant, right? Right. So the restaurant is set up in a way where um, we have thirty, sixty, ninety-minute areas. So um, clearly, this was designed pre-COVID and in mind with um, you know a bustling Ferry Street and uh, the folks at Horizon Building or uh, you know the Gateway and and all the other uh, businesses uh, surrounding us. Um, the the main concept, the idea is that the business folks and the lunch crowd would enjoy the larger space and um, be able to grab something quickly, spend about 30 minutes in the, in the large room. And then those who have a little more time to spend can be in the smaller room where uh, we have the 60 and 90 minute area, uh, the, the latter being the lounge. Uh, going back to the challenges of, of the place, uh, this is an area where um, the ceilings of, of, of the restaurant were, were very low. So what we wanted to do with Sean, our architect, was expose as much as we could, maximize on the space and, and bring, bring uh, forth the grandiosity of, of, the, of, of the space and the arches that are on the windows and create as much space as possible so that, you know, the, the, the space can breathe. Yeah, it's um, it, it does feel intimate in there, but still very large. I mean, you do have those two front-facing windows onto ferry, and basically onto what 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 is Iberia's main uh, slash. It's it's I, I want to say parking lot because that, that sounds like you're looking at a parking lot, but it's more than that. It's a it's Iberia's main um, you know sort gate, of event yeah. space, the gate space, um, and arguably like uh, aside from five corners, I think the corner of Prospect and Ferry is a sort of kind of legendary corner because it's where the iron it's where ferry street really takes off if there's a better i mean it's it's where it narrows right and so and and by narrowing it weirdly becomes bigger um it's it's where it's it, it gets the feel for itself right you're right there um you know be, earlier at walgreens you're still kind of in this kind of weird mm-hmm. plaza-ish kind of space but once you enter where you guys are it really does become what i think people think of stereotypical ferry and you're sort of right at that choke point um yeah, absolutely. I, it yeah. feels like you're in the entrance of, of ferry yeah um yeah actually it's funny that you use the word gate it's the gate to iberia but you want you could call it the gate to, to to ferry at that point um and you're you're so well positioned too which is i think another cool thing um because i, I do see your space as a liminal space right um, it's not just like, it, it was so hard in the opening to describe what you are. I meant like, if you want to tag you on Yelp, okay, I'm going to say it's a restaurant or cafe, whatever. But, um, it is, at least I felt so far in my experiences going there, it's been a hangout space. It's been an art space. Um, we'll get to this in a little bit, but it's, it's, it's a tournament space <laughs> for this, for this running chess tournament we have. Um, <laughs> Uh, I like to joke with my, my, my Soviet friend, although technically he's not Soviet because he was born after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to talk about your staff in a second because I think the other thing we haven't mentioned here, which is incredibly unique about your restaurant uh, slash space, um, mm-hmm. is uh, the staff. Um, actually, let's do that. Let's let's talk about what kind of staff have you created for this, this space? Because it's, it's a very unique kind of, kind of staff. Right, right, right. Let's get to it. Um, yeah. So 
So one of the missions of the restaurant is to um, to maximize social impact in, in every possible way. At every turn, every corner, we, we want to be able to be creative, but at the same time, um, maximize social impact. Uh, w- one of the ways in which we do that is through our coffee program. Um, we source, ethically source, direct source coffee from Colombia and our barista, Camilo, is from the farm where our coffee comes from. This is an indigenous farm in uh, Buesaco, Nariño, in uh, Colombia. So anytime a guest comes to Sihana and is enjoying one of our blends, whether it's drip coffee or espresso, they're directly impacting and sustaining that relationship that we have with uh, the indigenous farmers in, in Colombia. So in regards to, to the coffee program, we're very proud of that relationship that we have. Um, on the food program, the main um, idea behind the food is, the, the reason why it's a cafe and, and not a specific themed restaurant is because we don't want to limit ourselves in a way we can be creative with, with, with our food program. So currently what we're doing is we're leaning a little more um, towards a Mediterranean bistro where we have uh, some items from the French part of the Mediterranean, Italian part, Portuguese, and Spanish. Additionally, because of my partner David's uh, background and our chef being from Georgia, we also do um, a few dishes that are their national dishes like the hajapuri, also known as the the cheese bread that um, I think you really enjoyed the last time <laughs> you were here. And those beet salads. Oh, that's not really um, Georgian, but <laughs> yeah, that, I think I've had the beet salad three times. Part. Yeah. Um, wait, can I just like, when we talked about the Hashapuri. Oh my God, I can never get the name right. Um, I've actually had it at Old Tbilisi on West 3rd. But what's really okay. cool. I can't get right either. That's yeah. Well, what's really cool about yours is um, there's one option. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? It's uh, well. Can you describe one of the options you have for that? I think it's a very unique way of doing it. Right. So the the first one is the traditional way right. that that is made, you know, through the centuries in, in the Republic of Georgia, which is with cheese, butter, and uh, egg. The second one is something that we're experimenting with, which has turned out to be um, quite successful and delicious according to our guests, is the one with spinach and feta. Mm. So the way we would serve it is um, we'll have it on these on these uh, wooden boards and then uh, David will come out and he'll mix it for our guests and uh, sort of guide them on, on how they would you know, eat it back back in his home. So it's, it's done in a way where you, you tear apart the bread and you dip it in the in this new sauce. Mm. Oh, you know what's funny is I thought maybe I'm mistaking it. I thought I had one in August where, or maybe this was, yeah, it was not like in August when I went there for an outdoor um, dinner. But you, I think there was one with shrimp and garlic sauce, if I remember correctly. Or you guys maybe did that once. Um, that, that, that was a special that we were trying out, right? To, um, to uh, sort of address some of the, you know skepticism that folks had with, with a new concept that did not have uh, shrimp and garlic on the menu. Right. Well, I, the reason why I bring that up, it's, I mean, like, obviously it's, uh, you're in a very difficult position um, as a new restaurant opening in what, it's not just like a restaurant area. It's one thing to like, you know, open a restaurant on West 
Third or Broadway or I think a better example is like the theater district where you can really open any style, right? Um, uh, but with opening on ferry, the problem you have is there's already established cuisine there. Um, that's usually that's driven mostly by the Portuguese, a uh, couple Spanish style restaurants. And here comes this Albanian founded, Georgian run, Colombian accented like, like thing um, that's also doing like traditional American brunch cafe fare. Um, but you're fusing that together and executing it well, which I don't think is easy and I think is deserving of praise. Sorry to gush here. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But like, it, it, it is really weirdly refreshing because I'll say this about Sihana is I think a lot of restaurants want to open in Newark thinking if I open this, people will come just by like sheer force of will. Um, and it's what's different about you guys is you actually are both pushing the edge. Cause I think that's one thing that I think people play at sometimes too safe in Newark, right? They open something cause they're like, well, people already like this, but you're also incorporating aspects of what already exists here. Right. I mean, you're driven, I mean, like, not just the food, but, like, a lot of the artwork and stuff on the wall is locally sourced. And, like, I can attest to that because I've seen it myself. Right. So um, we, we wanted to create something contemporary, metropolitan mm -hmm. in Newark because um, we, we truly believe that the city deserves a, a, a place like this. The, the citizens of the city deserve it. And um, it, it's really... It's, it's very flattering to, to see that, that people have responded in the way that they have. You know, I, I'm, I'm continuously in dialogue with everyone who comes to Sihana and um, the appreciation for the concept, the appreciation for, for the things that we're doing here is, is, is truly you know, humbling for us. And being in a, like you mentioned, in an area where... Um, a, a one-themed restaurant is is what dominates pretty much the the local industry here. We knew that we were taking a large risk by doing that. However, um, we we want to really be proud of where we are, of the city, and we are really leaning heavy on the Newark-centric, you know, um, you know, base of, of of what we're doing here. Um, as you mentioned. When, when guests come here, they, they, they see the, the large uh, Newark is for artists canvas, or they see our Newark sign above the bar, and they, they see our marketing and branding that, that we do, where Newark, Newark is present in, in everything that we do. Because we really are proud of, of being here and creating something that's unique, not only in the city, but going forward, we really hope that it's going to be unique in, 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 in the state, in, in the tri-state, and uh, we're really yearning to push the envelope in every way possible. Yeah, um, well, that's kind of interesting because I want to ask you about that um, and dig a little deeper here. So um, originally you're not from Newark. Um, so how did you build those inroads in Newark before opening your restaurant? Or your, sorry, your space. I'm going to call it a space. I think it's a fair way to describe it. That's such a great question, Manny. Um, th th this goes back to, to, to a lot of decades and years of my life. But I, I was raised right outside of Newark in Linden, New Jersey, not too far from here. I went to middle school and high school there. Um, 
for those who may not know, I was born in Albania and uh, migrated to the United States in 1998. And Newark is the first city that um, I was introduced to when when I arrived in the in the in the U.S. It was the first city that that I saw. And throughout my high school years, Newark was like this very like um, mystic place where we, we we would come to to buy uh, white tees and uh, bootlegs CDs and DVDs, and and sort of uh, immediately get out. You know, you would come in for for a specific thing and then leave, and. After spending years, you know, living in, in several you know areas of the world, I really wanted to come back and um, sort of blend all those experiences that I had in, in a concept where I could, you know, demonstrate the artistic side of my personality that was cultivated when I studied in Florence, Italy. But at the same time, I wanted to implement some of the social entrepreneurial things that I had studied in school. So the reason why it, it can be difficult to describe the, the cafe is because there are all these elements moving simultaneously. Yeah, it's, um, you could definitely see all those elements present there. Uh, I just wanted to mention, so you talked about, you know, having, you know, spending a lot of time uh, in different cities. Um, I was actually going to lead with this, but this is actually pretty funny. Um, so I think it was either the first night we had a dinner together or it was the second night. Um, I think you, we started asking the right questions and we, I did, we discovered that we've actually probably met before without realizing it. And I think this is a good opportunity to bring up your background, especially your family's background, which I think is, I think is really important to, to why this space I think is what it is. Right. Yeah. So, uh, we probably ran into each other at the European center in, yeah. in Boston at Harvard while you were studying there and I was taking a few classes in um, philosophy oh, uh, and uh, social entrepreneurship. It was more than studying. I was, I, it was my paid job. <laughs> I was, yes. I worked for four years at that center and I pretty much saw everyone who walked through. Uh, right. Yeah. So, I mean, you had firsthand uh, experience with anyone who walked in those doors. Yeah. <laughs> and so I probably met you. I mean, like, cause you would hang out there because of your, um, your father's work. Right. And, um, I believe your your father had some, uh, or you were studying there. I can't remember. We, we when we talked about this, it was you were. Um, yeah, so, so was, I was I was I was I was part of a program at the okay, school there, short lived, not not long like yours. Uh, but um, additionally, th there were some lectures that that my father was also um, holding at the Kennedy School in relation to um, uh, Albanian Israeli relationships and uh, the religious harmony that exists in Albania. Yeah, and uh, the reason why I bring that up, it's because I think you we've talked about this, um, and I know it's something you are uh, passionate to talk about, is um, things you've learned in Albania and how they um, compare to Newark and what lessons you can bring to Newark, right? And I think your space reflects that. Absolutely. It's, it's one, one of the, the, the things that describe me the best, I would say. Um, being born in Albania, there, there, there are things that are unique to the country and specifically it's um, the religious harmony that exists there but on top of that um, the, the love for the other the the, the xenocentrism the, the opposite of uh, xenophobia uh, it, it's something that um, if you were to talk to any Albanian that's <laughs> it's one of the first things that that comes up uh, Albanians have uh, the propensity to, to really 
open their doors to to guests and 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 foreigners and i really find a lot of uh, equivalence uh, i equate a lot of those characteristics to the city of newark where um we have um citizens here in newark from all walks of life you know people from central america people from europe uh, africa asia and the way that the city functions in that regard the the love that people have for the other is very akin to what my personal experience is so that really drew me in and i really feel comfortable living here working here and uh, it's one of the main reasons why i'm i'm very proud to you know speak on that every chance that i get um did you spend a lot of time working in restaurants or um commercial spaces or is this something completely new for you right yeah um like many teenagers i, I worked in uh, in restaurants uh, growing up um specifically in um italian cuisine cuisines um later on in life uh i was in in the business world briefly and i was in um the franchising business as well in in Europe as well as uh, in, in juice bar and restaurant business so i have i have a pretty solid background as far as um the organizational and uh logistical you know understanding of, of how restaurants work however i don't have the you know the the career trajectory that other restaurateurs have where mm. you know they be, they begin at a young age and they sort of stick to it and they perfect their craft yeah. So aside from the COVID crisis, and we're to put that aside, but like, what was your biggest fear going into this? I was really um, what 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 feared me the most was that we we were creating a concept that was um, way too contemporary or way too modern in the in the sense that it was going to stick out too much compared mm-hmm. to everything else in the area, and that was going to backfire. However, what, what we found was that other areas of the city once you know people living in those areas in other words once they found out what what the concept here was in the beginning in the in the first 2 3 months um about 3 fourths of our guests were not from the ironbound and as as that grew the locals here in the ironbound started responding as well because Perhaps, you know, they, they were a little, you know, skeptical of what was going on here or because of, you know, past businesses that were uh, habitants here and didn't work out. So my, my main fear was that, you know, we, we were going too left on, on the concept. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I, I feel you on that because I think I think the hardest part about living here. Well, sorry, no, let me put this differently. The hardest part about being young millennial and living here and having lived in other places is you see a lot of interesting concepts you know i've spent i you know i mean, my grandmother lived in new york city and i went there all the time but i spent three years living in manhattan i lived in london i spent four years in boston and you see all this kind of stuff and then you're like well wouldn't it be cool if newark had this and i can't tell you cannot tell you how many times i get the line that won't work here, which is probably what holds Newark back more than anything else. And I think it's more than even like any business attraction strategy. It's this like I, this concept that like you can't do this here. And I really appreciate 
that you had that fear coming in because you knew um, you didn't let that fear hold you back, but you knew it was something to worry about coming in to here, which I think is the best middle strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, if you go too far in one direction, then you're just ignoring all the warning signs about doing something that's really dumb. But on the other side, like nothing new, no, there's nothing groundbreaking if no one's willing to take that risk. I mean, I hate to joke this about this, but there's certain streets in Newark where, um, you know, it's different when it's Ferry Street where there's an uh, an endemic culture that is gonna, it's going to make sense for there to be 10 Portuguese restaurants. But you go to another street in downtown Newark and you see four of the same type of restaurant and you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, what is what are they trying to do here? That's not like this type of restaurant is native to this street. Um, but with what you're doing is you're really pushing out that outer boundary. And um, we t- I want us to talk a little more about like, what are your future plans for the space aside from food and coffee? Like, what do you want to see that space be? Um, well, you, you touched on, on sort of going out and experimenting with something that has never been done before. And it's something that is innate within me. I, I don't feel comfortable just doing one particular thing for a very long time. I want to be able to add another layer of, of, you know, of something to the business. I have a few plans to um, expand on the creativity of the business. Uh, what I want to do going forward is um, we, we want to create a larger coffee program to be able to sustain the relationship that we have with the farmers, but also expand it in a way where, you know, we can attract more eyes and more consumers to mm-hmm. these products so that's in, in in the plans that that i'm working on currently and hopefully we'll we'll be able to finish that in in the next few weeks um once the weather gets nicer i definitely plan on um expanding our outdoor seating area because of how we're situated as you mentioned earlier in that you know beautiful corner we want to um, create a space where not only can you enjoy good coffee and and good food, but create a space where people can have outdoor activities at a, you know, safe distance during uh, this pandemic. So we're we're going through ideas and perhaps uh, an outdoor market or an an area where uh, people can play outdoor games. Maybe throw some horseshoe around. Um, maybe play some chess. Maybe play <laughs> some chess. Uh, maybe a chess club could be in the works. Yeah, I would definitely join a chess club uh, around Siana, except I wouldn't let you be in it because you're the worst trash talker I've ever played against. <laughs> Playing against Crash is just like one endless like insult after another. <laughs> It's just my uh, athletic background, you know, that, that it's hard to, you know, contain that. Oh, man. Uh, for the listeners, we um, I've taken to, like, every once in a while coming by to play chess um, with the wait staff after closing. Um, it's, it's pretty much the only thing I do now for fun. <laughs> At least it's outside my apartment. I haven't really <laughs> um, partaken in much these past this past year. It's 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 almost a year now. Oh, my God. Actually, just out of out of interest, how long? Like, I understand, like a restaurant, like you know, you've seen ideas I've had in my head, and I've told you I've been thinking about them for five years. 
and I understand that with this with this space, you're probably thinking about it for years. But when would you say was the beginning of like you started the thing started moving forward? And at what point did the train start moving too much that you had to open by a certain date? Um, well, I mean, while everyone was uh, quarantined in the first few weeks of, of the of the pandemic. Uh, unfortunately, David and myself, we, we didn't have that luxury of just staying at home and, mm. and kind of waiting things out. So what we decided to do was we would um, so we would self-isolate first and foremost. We, he would be in you know his apartment in Newark and I would be in my apartment. And then we would meet in the morning at the cafe and go over the things that we could physically do to, you know, in order to, to further, you know, bring the opening date closer. And we... In those in those three months, we really had a lot of um, self reflection happening. Mm -hmm. We we you know we we thought that maybe things were not going to come back for a very long time. Yeah. That perhaps we were you know our spirit was was broken a little bit. We were demoralized. However, after after a few days, um, I'm going to be very frank here. You know, we just kind of picked ourselves up and. Uh, we, we, we had made the you know the commitment to it we had worked so hard and invested you know everything that that we own so we, it, it was a matter of uh, persistence and, and then just willing through you know just 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 getting tough and 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 finishing it up that's a level of bravery I have to admire because uh, you know it's something that I would freak out about um, I wouldn't necessarily collapse from it but I would definitely not like you know handle it as I think as gracefully and as stoically i think as you have and maybe that's the albanian you in you being stoic <laughs> um although that's funny because i think the stereotype goes both ways weirdly it's like incredibly stoic but also really like loud and emotional i don't know <laughs> but that's or, ever, or, that's or stubborn or stubborn i think it's every every mediterranean balkan country right 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 it's the temperature yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Your, your emotions fluctuate like like the temperature in the balkans <laughs> um but yeah, that's wow. I mean, just thinking back, that that's just crazy. Um, that that pressure affected you. I mean, in in, in a both positive and a and a not so positive way. But I think the thing is with, and obviously to dispute this or, or push back whatever you want. But like, you know, assuming things come to some kind of interesting stabilization by September. I would argue that you're much better positioned than, like, let's say the downtown of New York. I mean, the downtown of New York is going to have to reorient, I think, um, because things are not coming back to any sense of normal because of the nature of downtown and its and its dependency on these large corporate anchors. But Ferry Street, that community already exists there. There's already an attraction and a narrative there. Um, do you think that's it's going to help with you guys swinging back to not just a stabilized point, but maybe even a thriving point? Um, I, I think uh, I just want to say this um, firstly, is that the main thing here is that we, we all, you know, get ahead. All, all the restaurants around here, one, one restaurant's success and, and everyone else failing is not a long-term solution mm -hmm. for, for the industry in this area. Um, the Ironbound uh, specifically has the culinary tourism 
established, well established throughout throughout the years, if not decades. So um, people will continue to come here from from all across New Jersey, as well as uh, the, the citizens of Newark, the locals who live here. Uh, going forward, I strongly believe that um, if the pandemic is tamed or the vaccine rollout um, starts moving a little faster with um, the arrival of, of summer, I think things will look somewhat normal, not all the way. However, um, if these, you know, externalities come to some sort of, you know, resolution, I think we're, we're going to be fine, but it's my hope that we're all fine together. Oh, <laughs> I mean, do you, actually, it's an interesting question. Like, uh, which restaurant owners do you know very well in Newark and who like who's been to your place? Whose places have you been to? Is there that kind of conversation and dynamic that we hope that exists in the Ironbound? Absolutely. I think there there's a, a number of uh, restaurant owners here who are um, very gracious. They're very friendly. They, they want to see us um, succeed. Some of them that I know are uh, the Forno's owners, um, Sabor Unido, uh, mm. Burger Bound. These are some of the closest friends that we have here who, who have you know, always supported us and, and whatever means that they, they have to, you know, to provide for us. And I think there is a, a very good camaraderie overall in, in the Ironbound between the owners. Yeah. Has Angel been to your place yet? I believe he has several times, although I, I don't believe I was here. I know, I know David has a, mm. a much, much closer, uh, you know, relationship and exchange. Yeah. Um, for the listeners, Angel is um, the owner or founder, whatever term, of um, uh, Casa de Paco, which is a sort of already legend. <laughs> it's been around for like four years, but now it's already legendary um, place in the Ironbound. And uh, I only bring it up because I think he's a, a I, I'm sort of wishing he to get him onto this podcast, but uh, B, um, because I feel like you are definitely in that same vein of what he's trying to do. Um, and I, I, and I know it's been hard for him as well because his, he was, his, his space is so small and so intimate, which is kind of the point, right? I mean, you've been to Casa right. de Paco, right? Yeah. Wonderful yeah. place. W- wonderful place, but it is, it is in a way that you can, I think you, you have a, a lot more space to sacrifice. <laughs> In yeah, a way that a he doesn't. Room and, yeah, yeah, we we can space out our guests uh, yeah. safely, and we have a little more room than than he does for sure. Yeah, and I, you know, not to this is not like, I mean, like you guys have been very, I think, compliant. I've seen uh, very good practices on on your guys' ends. Um, it's never crowded, and you and and I mean, I feel bad. So usually, you're like, oh my god, it's always crowded. You can't get a seat in there. But like in this case, not being crowded is a is I think. Um, uh, a point of uh, honor for you because it's so counter to uh, a restaurant cafe owners impulses, right? Like a lot of what the pandemic does is it, it pushes against a lot of empresarios and restaurateurs impulses on what they should do with their space. Because what you want is people sitting down and ordering, you know, for long periods of time with large numbers of people you don't want them ordering through delivery apps although you still do that because it is some income on the side right but like this is inverted everything <laughs> where right. everything is being driven now by delivery by takeout um by not using the space you guys have right the the current situation kind of run, runs counter to to the way uh, restaurants operate 
uh, clearly. Um, but uh, you know, however, we it's safety is is, is number one, uh, especially at our restaurant. Um, with, with that in mind, we have uh, our, our tables spaced out, you know, at least six to, to eight feet. And although we know that um, more people coming inside mean means more more money for for staff, for rent, for utilities, it's it's one of those um, consequences of the pandemic that um, we sort of have to live with and adapt to. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Um, do Do you have plans for making a like a gallery space as well? Or um, I know that you already have artwork, but would you make it also? Um, it's kind of hard to run a cafe and a restaurant and a gallery in one space. But have you thought about featuring um, like art seasonally as opposed to just permanent? Um, yeah, I know you have a couple permanent installations in there, but mm -hmm. um, have you thought about doing that as well? Absolutely, it's it's one of the it's one of the loves and passions of my life. Art is and music. So um, as as soon as we know a little bit more about what's going to happen with the pandemic, we plan mm -hmm. on having an um, an we plan on having an opera singer in here, and we're going to have a concert uh, after we close at eight p.m. Nice. And we plan on uh, inviting all our day ones, like yourself and other guests, who are uh, willing to come enjoy um, some good old-fashioned Italian opera <laughs> and on top of that we have uh, plans to um, have these um, drop these banners that drop down from the ceiling behind the bar to um, demonstrate the origin of the coffee of uh, David's background my background the, the city and we're gonna have artists who are gonna come here and hold their, their own presentations of their art as well as poets who are going to be reciting. Wow. So those are some of the events that uh, will be taking place hopefully in, in April or, or May. That's really cool. Wow. Um, have you thought about closing off Prospect or getting the permission to do that and maybe doing an outdoor event like that as well? Yes. So uh, what, what we are looking to do is on the corner of Prospect and Ferry, mm. that, that little nook, mm. we plan on uh, putting uh, some speakers going in both directions mm. and um, a platform where um, the, the poets can, can recite while people are enjoying um, food and drinks and coffee and uh, creating, you know, an atmosphere, uh, you know, a relaxing atmosphere, but at the same time, um, provide some opportunities for uh, local local artists who otherwise um, wouldn't be able to, you know, showcase their talents. Yeah. Sounds like the only thing you're missing now is a nice cocktail bar. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's, it's something that you, you will bring you know, for, forward to Ferry Street. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, uh, the lack of a high-end cocktail bar on Ferry is... Mm. There's some uh, old banks. Well, Lusitania is still operating, but that would be a really mm -hmm. interesting spot for a cocktail wow, bar. Yes, absolutely. Oh my it's god, space that for space it. is ideal. <laughs> but it's a bank, um, which honestly probably it it would generate more money. Like who need, a bank doesn't need to be in a physical space anymore. Not anymore. No, not anymore. No. Um, um, Except for my my you know my old aunt who still writes checks by hand, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 that's one of the hard parts about ferry. It's like you know who has a liquor license and who doesn't. It's always 
I've always discovered, not always true, but roughly true, that if they don't have a liquor license, their food is slightly better. Um, because then you're competing on a, on a different front um, than just getting are, people drunk. Yeah, there are several restaurants that, that um, aim exactly to do that here in the Ironbound. Oh, that's interesting. I never. You actually have a number. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, I just want to like make sure I didn't like. Is there anything else about like Siana that you want to share? Do you think it's important to get across? I think um, one of the main things that we're doing here is um, the objective of, the, of this space is not only to provide you know creative food and, and specialty coffee, you know ethically sourced, but uh, we also want to create a meaningful and long-standing relationship with the community and. Uh, we don't want to just operate a restaurant or a cafe. We we want to sort of lead, have like a moral leadership standpoint to the to the way that we, we conduct business here. You know, we, we as I mentioned earlier, we want to maximize on social impact, whether it's to you know provide spaces for artists or um, hmm. uh, mentor um, high, high school students or. Um, bring in students who want to learn chess or, you know, what, what, whatever, you know, their passions are, you know, we're, we want to be a place of networking, but not in the business sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. It sounds like a, like, this sounds really stodgy, but like almost like, like a lecture group or a book club or and they both sound really awful, but, <laughs> but like a sort of just like, you know, a group of people who come around and talk together would be really cool for the, particularly the lot I've, I've gravitated. And I think you know this um, about me. Mm-hmm. I've gravitated to one side of the restaurant as opposed to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Cause I like the other, like one part really, really a lot. <laughs> um, because I think it just reminds me of like, it's both cozy, but also it has a giant window. So you're not like, it doesn't feel like you're, confined um it's definitely more intimate in a, in a good way there and, and we have sean to thank for that so i want yeah. to give him a shout out once again yeah and it, Joseph. it's a really it's it's a cool job that you've all done there with the interior um it's just really refreshing because like the previous interior that was in there was really I, I hate to talk negatively about a previous occupant but like it just didn't for me um it sort of just missed all the like general points about design that have been taught in the mm-hmm. last 50 years. Um, and you just sort of tore everything down. And I mean this in a conceptual way, not like physically, although you did do some of that, <laughs> but you, uh, you deconstruct, haha, deconstructivism. Uh, <laughs> and you kind of rebuilt from there. Um, it's a bit wabi-sabi, like, you know, the New York is for artists has a paint trip in it, which I think is, uh, shows that it's not just like stenciled it. Well, not it's not stenciled, it, but like it was spray paint. It wasn't spray painted on, right? No, um, it was actually hand painted. I saw it happen, <laughs> but it, the little drip kind of signals that. And it was. I, I feel um, bad. Like I'm just. I'm like trying to describe things here that you have to physically see. Well, it's an excuse for people to go, right? Yeah, it, it will be an excuse for for folks to come in here, and um, you know, I'm really grateful for this podcast, man. And you've done a lot to to get the word out for us. At, at moments where you know we really needed it and we still do yeah. you know for, for for that matter and uh it's like i can't iterate that enough that you know we're very proud to be here we're, we're you know we, we love interacting with all our guests and uh we're extremely proud of the diversity of guests that come in here we don't have a particular demographic that you know 
we, we, we lean to more than more than others. So it, it's something that the on behalf of the entire staff, you know, we really are thankful for. No, thank you. I mean, like this, this is the reason why I asked you on is because I think there when something interesting is going on in Newark, I want to be um, a platform from which people can then project those ideas and share them. Uh, so uh, it sounds like we're wrapping up and I want to um, ask you the question that I ask every single podcast, which is what are you excited for in Newark? I'm excited for the prospects and the and the opportunities that will come hopefully from other entrepreneurs who perhaps have seen what's happening here at our space and have had hopes of having a place of their own hopefully we're able to you know inspire others to you know make that that leap and and commit commit to their passions and on top of that uh, I, it's really my hope that we can, you know, further our mission of, you know, maximizing social impact, uh, continuing our relationship with the artist community and um, create really good food on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, that that's great. Um, I, what I'm excited for is, um, you know, it's, it's still far away. We got two months to go, but like spring is coming at some point. <laughs> Uh, the, it's the inverse of the House Stark motto, right? Um, yeah. you, you, I just, I just want to be back outside. Yes, a pandemic sucks, but you know, the, the, at least like June, July, August, even no, November, we had a really weird November, right? Mm-hmm. You just, I just went outside and I just wandered for hours. Like I walked all the way to Lynnhurst a couple times, mm. and just like, you know, kind of check out. And uh, one of the hard parts about the winter, it's, it hasn't been too bad this winter. But it's worse with the pandemic because you really your options are limited to what you can do. I'm just stuck inside the same four walls for most of the day, and so I just can't wait till things start getting better. As we talk, so not to give away when we're recording this, we're but we're both like literally snowed. In. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first day I haven't walked outside at all, uh, which is crazy. Uh, right. I try to get outside at least once a day because. Uh, <laughs> And and uh, Manny, this is a a promise I will make on, on on your podcast that once we're outside and our outdoor uh, seating is available again, I, I will play you. And we will play chess, and I promise not to trash talk uh, while I beat you. The, the reason why he says this is he has a winning record against me, which I I still refuse to believe, and I think he just wants to have a public showing of me losing to him. Um, you can, you on can the cut street. This out if you want to. <laughs> oh man! Anyway, let's go to the credits. Uh, that's it for this episode. Uh, I would like to thank um, our guest Kreshnik. Uh, this is Manny Antunes, uh, host and producer of the Pod Market Podcast. Editing and sound engineering by Bob Phrase. Podcast and logo design provided by Robert Conti. Additional creative input by Samantha Kateas. We have a Patreon, which you can find on our website if you'd like to support the podcast. We also have some merchandise available for purchase. That should be up hopefully soon. Um, if you have a subject you'd like to hear discussed on this podcast, please email podandmarket at gmail.com or contact the pod through social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And so I'm going to end with a quote. Um, and I think you're going to appreciate this crash. Um, so I decided to end with a quote, uh, from, uh, the person who's basically after Philip Roth died, the always a bridesmaid, never a bride of the, of the Nobel literature prize. And that's Ismael Kadare. Did I say his name right? 
Kadere. Yeah. Kadere. Uh, and uh, I, I don't need to explain him to you, but I should explain him to the audience. He's this kind of legendary uh, novelist, poet. I think he's a poet too, right? Um, actually, I think he's mainly a poet. Um, but he's kind of legendary because not only is he like a great writer, um, but he's like been in the running for the Nobel Prize for 40 years at this point. Still alive. Hasn't. So once you, the problem with the Nobel is once you die or um, once the year you died closes out for nominations, you cannot be nominated. It's the terms of Nobel's will. So this is why Philip Roth never got it. Um, famously, this is why Mohandas uh, K. Gandhi never got uh, the Nobel Prize, Peace Prize, because he was shot before he could be nominated. Um, or he was shot before he could be awarded it. I think he was nominated. But um, he's a really interesting writer. He's uh, he, he's interesting to compare to Philip Roth. He's probably a little more edgy than Philip Roth. He's actually probably mm-hmm. more, definitely more European. Um, I think of Italo Cavino or like other kind of like interesting um, writers in in the same vein as him. Um, so I picked a, a little quote from his uh, novel Broken April, which is about something that's very um, something that's very much associated with Albania, although I think it's other Balkan countries too, which is the idea of the blood vendetta um, and how that can really tear apart a community. Um, so this is the quote: "To tell the truth, this is one of the few cases in which she had not told him just what she was thinking." Usually she let him know whatever thoughts happened to come to her, and indeed he never took it amiss if she let slip a word that might pain him, because when all was said and done, that was the price one paid for sincerity. Thank you.